Hello and welcome to Creative Hood. I'm your host, Melanie, and today we're joined by Megan. Hello. How are you? Good. How are you? Always good. So excited to have you here. I feel like this might end up being like a two-parter because you just have so much experience and I want to hear about all of it. Cool. So what do you do? I am a professional storyteller. I help brands and companies and executives tell their story. Where did it all start? What did you study? First of all, I grew up in a family of storytellers. If you've ever met my dad, my dad is a very quiet guy. Uh, to most people, but not to our family. And it's always because he had the best stories to tell. He would come back from work and just have these hysterical moments that he could retell that story. Um, I actually went to college as an opera singer. Wow. And I loved telling stories on stage. I loved getting up. I loved helping people feel something based upon what I was doing. And I wanted to go to music school, and I remember my dad saying that I had to have a business degree because he, quote, didn't want me to live in a ramen box um, when I graduated. And he said, you have to have a business degree. And my first answer was, woof, that sounds awful. And I started looking into different categories and thought advertising and PR would be interesting because it's writing the story. So it's kind of like being behind the curtain while I was on stage being on the stage telling the story. So I thought, okay, well, I'm good at doing one piece. Let's see if I'm good at telling the story behind the scenes. Uh, so I started as a double major and I ended up dropping my music degree and going full advertising and PR by the time I had graduated uh, because the excitement of telling something new, crafting the story, helping people figure out the pieces of their story to tell, to make other people resonate with it and either to go change a behavior to follow them along to purchase their product. There's so many actions that come out of telling a great story. And the more I've gotten to do it, the more fun it's been. Very cool. So let's break down kind of what your day-to-day looks like. I know it's always different for you, but what does PR and advertising look like? So right now I'm working with a lot of food brands uh, that are startups and I help them with brand marketing and communications. So every day usually involves me crafting pitches that I send out to editors uh, for national publications trying to get a story. I work with consumer press, so that's everything from a Refinery29 to a People magazine. And then my bread and butter is the more business world. So looking at Fast Company, Fortune, and Forbes, and trying to tell an executive story. So a lot of my day is spent crafting those pitches to entice a journalist to want to talk to somebody at the company to flesh out that narrative. A piece of my day is usually involved staffing one of those interviews and helping an executive tell that story. So then it basically converts into exactly what we were looking for for the business. And a lot of that comes down to just helping them understand why does it matter and why should a reader care? So it's taking yourself out of that step, putting yourself in the seat of the audience and looking at the performer and figuring out what is what actually matters. Uh, The rest of my day is working on strategy. So a lot of these brands know the narrative and the story they want to build and tell and where they want to go with their products, but they don't have the pieces to line it all up or they've got a team, but they need another fresh pair of eyes. And so I come in around new products or company announcements, funding uh, announcements are big. 
and even just rebrands of products, which is really cool. So we've been a product for 10 years and now we want to be fresh and innovative again. How do we take what people know about us and be able to convert that for the future? And so that's a lot of me being locked up in my little Hoboken office with a pumpkin spice candle and a lot of playlists <laughs> and brainstorming on my own before I have a dialogue uh, with a client and we brainstorm together. So I come as prepared as possible with as many ideas as I can think of on my own and then collaborate with them to find that end result. So now you're in a position where you're free to work with whoever you want to work with. But how did you get here? What did your career look like in the traditional form and then now? And how did you make that leap? I was fortunate enough to start in a really incredible agency in New Jersey called COIN. COIN was a stunt PR agency. So they are the most wickedly creative people I can ever think of. They've broken every world record. Uh, they build things that seem impossible. And they don't do it just for creativity's sake. They do it to further that narrative or to further the brand reputation. And so I got a crash course in PR within the first seven months of working at that agency. And it's the grunt level. It's the job where you are showing that you want it. You hustle. You put in the hours. You listen to people. You take what they tell you and you try their way and then you find a new way. And so I ended up staying in agencies for about five years. Um, and a lot of people will kind of bash an agency life and they're like, oh, the dream is in-house. That's true. I think in-house is a really great opportunity. But in order to cut your chops, you have to be in an agency because you learn time management. You learn how to collaborate on multiple teams with multiple leaders and to appease a client and to learn how to have your own voice in all of those different situations. And then you learn how to like not get anxious by every single thing on your plate. I will say I'm not an expert in that by any sense of the word. Um, but I think it is really important to do the steps to continue to evolve. And uh, after five years, I was approached to go in-house at Kind. I knew somebody there from my agency world. And it was a totally different opportunity. And it was nice to be able to build a communications team in-house for them. Um, I worked with some of the closest people I know in the industry now. Uh, some of my dearest friends, actually, my uh, consulting partner came from Kind. And so I was there for three years and ran everything from executive communications to new product announcements and health reviews. And it was really cool. And I wanted some new experience. I went to international. I wanted to do something international. I wanted to understand other cultures and language because I'd done U.S. storytelling for over eight years and thought, OK, well, now if I can learn how to speak in other countries and learn their tone and nuance, maybe it can bring something back. And so I went in-house to Google and ran international PR for Waze for almost two years which involved running the day-to-day -day of 16 countries, which I did not know really before I got in the door, but I'm really glad I did once I was there. Um, and it evolved into a brand marketing 360 marketing role. So my job was to collaborate all the teams together and create communications tools that any team could use in any instance and work on crisis communications, which is a very scary and awesome world once you're in it. Yikes. And it was really fun, but I burned out. I burned out really hardcore. I had been there. Um, I had been married to my job for about nine years. And I had told myself that I was okay with sacrificing a lot of other things in order to succeed quickly so that I could take a breather at the end. 
And what ended up happening is, is that I kind of hit the, the treadmill a little too hard and I needed a better pace. So uh, I had done big, I'd done agency, I'd done mid-house or mid-sized companies. So I thought, okay, why don't I take a step back and go into a smaller company? And I went into a small company for six months uh, right after I had left Google. So it was, I didn't give myself any break anytime. And it was a really rough decision uh, looking back. I should have given myself more time to kind of recuperate before diving back in. Um, and that company was great. Um, we just realized it wasn't a fit for me at that point. Um, and so I started to phase out and they were great about it. And so I decided to email 55 people I knew and say, hey, I think I'm gonna start this consulting business. Here's what I'm thinking I'll offer. And if you can help me with any intros or any of this, here's the things I'm willing to help you with. And I thought nothing was gonna come from that email except a lot of like, you rocks from maybe five or 10 people. Uh, 51 people wrote me back and half of them said, I have nothing right now, but you're on the radar. And I was like, okay, that's a good sign. It's not concrete, but it's something. And a week later, I had a friend email me with a client and I turned around an entire company in 30 days and started consulting and threw myself into it because I had taken this whole career so far to invest in learning as much as I could. And what I realized was is that I've been totally okay with betting on the companies and betting on my teams, but I've never bet on myself. Uh, I never had put my personal life, my life, what my interests were. I hadn't put a lot of those things first. And so the scariest thing about deciding my own journey was I had to bet on myself. I had to say I'm all in. And the funny part is, as soon as you say it, it's so much easier. That is literally the hardest part of consulting in my book, um, is making a conscious choice to put yourself first and choose what you're looking for, for happiness. And it comes in a different period for other people. Uh, some people jump sooner, some people jump later, but there's always a push moment. If you pay attention, there's always a breadcrumb that led you to this. And I think I had always known this was gonna be the end journey. Um, at Google, I realized I didn't wanna be a CMO of Google. I had watched executives not have families or lives or just be burned out all the time. And I thought, I don't want that. But I love work and I love my job. So what do I do? And it took going home to visit my family to realize I had the best example sitting in front of me, which was my mom. Uh, my mom quit her job and started as a real estate agent um, right, I think, as I was born, right around that time. Uh, my mom is now a very, very successful real estate agent. She's got three licenses across multiple states, but she worked from home, but never missed a drop off. Um, my parents never missed a moment of my childhood. Um, and I know how lucky I was for that. And so I was talking to her and realized I've been waiting to make that jump when I was married and had kids. And realize that I'm lucky to do it now because I can figure out all of my stuff before I have to figure out all the rest of someone else's stuff. And so at least this can be a secure path now that allows me to enjoy my job, but it allows me to put the things that are important to me also first. That is the longest answer I could have ever given you. That's great. <laughs> I love it. That's a great answer. And 
so much of that too, like you are creating your own schedule now. And so I see you traveling all over the place, but it's for work and it's for all these different things. So how does that come about? How do you decide where you're going to plant your feet? Ooh, I don't even know yet, to be honest. <laughs> I, If you ask different friends every other month, I'm like, oh, maybe I'll move there. That'll be fun. Why don't I just move there for a month? I am doing that. I'm moving to Austin for a month just because I can. Um, I, I have traveled a lot with my Google job, and it is going to sound like such a bougie problem. But for anybody who's had a job where you travel a lot, it loses its appeal after about 10 months because you're living out of a suitcase and you start missing things. I was traveling across France and Europe and all of these things. And all I wanted to be was with my friend at her 30th birthday or at my friend's baby shower or at my friend's wedding. I missed so many things. Um, so part of the job, which has been interesting is that I do travel a lot, uh, still, uh, but I prioritize my time if I'm traveling so if a client says, I need you to work a weekend event uh, Thursday through Sunday, I probably will take Tuesday, Wednesday off um, and give myself that reprieve. Uh, the other thing I've been doing a lot more of is taking a week away from myself. So I went to Scotland and Ireland just uh, if you ever need to be a person like me who can't disconnect, put yourself in the middle of the highlands in Scotland where <laughs> Wi-Fi is not a word um, because there was nothing I could do. And so my brain, instead of freaking out and being like, I got to be on contact because that's a lot of my job. A crisis could go down at any minute. Uh, so I have to be on call or so I tell myself in my brain. I mean, from the outside, you're, we see we're like, oh, wow, she's living like that jet setter life. And it's tough like to hear your side of like, oh yeah, you're missing things. I'm like, oh, that, that's rough. It's hard. I, sometimes. It's funny. I was talking to a friend because I've done some really fun things in my career. I've been very fortunate that I had a lot of managers who trusted me to do some really cool things. Mm-hmm. Um, so my job looks super shiny from the outside and I love it and it's a lot of fun, but it is a lot of work. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the funny part about a creative job is that from the outside, it just looks like fun and that you were sipping martinis while you were doing it. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, it's pretty much me in sweatpants with dirty hair eating a bag of Cheetos and hoping that I like figured it out. Um, and it's a little bit of a lonely island because creativity is a muscle that you have to exercise on your own. You can do it with other people, but you have to invest in your own creativity in order to put out more creativity. And that can be a very isolating experience. It can also be one that's very welcoming. And I think in the role that I've played, everything looks really shiny from the outside. I work from coffee shops. I make my own schedule. I pick all my own clients. I do the work that I love. I get to go to all these different places. And those are all really big perks. But the other part is the hard parts. Um, Mm -hmm. What happens when a client isn't working out? What happens when something that you were supposed to nail falls through? Uh, What if a client has a crisis overnight? Um, A lot of my job is writing really unsexy Excels. Like there's a lot of tracking and systems. Um, Owning my company, I mean, I'm learning more and more about tax codes than I ever wanted to. Which brings, it's a good point. Yeah. brings up a good point of creative careers. Like you only do see the glitz and the glam and the good parts about a creative career, but there is a lot of, it's a job still it's a career, like there's work to it. And so 
Could you talk more about those skills that you need in order to be running your own business and have everything that you're going, going for you succeed? Yeah, I think the soft skill that you need is just this kind of innate belief that you can. Because when everything breaks, you have to believe in yourself first. You have to believe that all the people that trained you before you did not waste their energy on you. And it sounds hokey, but that really does help because there's going to be really dark moments. Um, my sister is an entrepreneur, so my whole family is in it except my dad. My dad jokes like he's a, he's a family man. He's been a company man, um, and he's very good at what he does. And I've learned a ton from watching him um, rise through his roles over the years and manage a ton of people. But my sister uh, started her company right around the time I did. And there's been a couple moments where we've had to help each other. And so I've actually gone down to Texas and worked with her before, um, giving her things that I've learned. And then she gave things back to me that I really needed to hear. And so one of the things that I actually um, is a skill set um, is being meticulously organized before you even start. So making a roadmap for yourself that you can hold yourself accountable to most people go into a day-to-day saying, I've got 1,300 items I need to get created or a project or all these other things. Add in your personal stuff like laundry and meal prep and like the list goes on. An old manager um, actually told me, pick three. Every day, pick three things that make you successful. What are the three things that critically need to get done in that day? And everything else is gravy on top of that. And I thought he was nuts because I was like, well... Is it three projects? Because there's 14 (laughs) layers under each project. He's like, dude, three tasks. Pick three. Mm -hmm. And I think that's part of the skill set is like knowing what the priorities are in your day that you have to get done and being okay with the fact that you're not going to always get everything done in that minute, but you gave your best to those three things you had today. Um, from a hard skill, like you need organization. Uh, a lot of people think creative is just whimsical and we throw things at a wall, but there's <laughs> timelines to working. If you are in any type of field, even like mine, um, I work with design teams. I work with copywriters. I look, work with website teams. I have to go through legal. There's deadlines attached to those things. And if I'm not tracking those correctly, I'm doomed from the start. And If you think about it, I've got over nearly 10 clients right now. So multiply those line items. If I'm not tracking all of their projects correctly, one of them is going to hit the fan. That's a lot. And it is. And so you have to come up with these tracking systems and organizations that make you on it and feel comfortable and not get overwhelmed. That's the trick. And everybody has their own. I have friends that like to bullet journal. I don't know what that is, but they all love it. Um, I am the nerd who literally draws on the back of a folder, like a fake calendar and puts like P0s, three clients today, one, two, three, and then all the other stuff that needs to get done. And I basically just map my whole week on the back of a folder. Nice. Um, so and it stays with you? It, is that the Yeah. So it always is in my bag because oh, then okay. if somebody throws me a piece of paper or I need to have like a document... I can literally just shove it in that folder and then I don't have to worry about it. Everything is in one place. Mm -hmm. Now, it scared a bunch of people because it also has notes on the inside. So it literally looks like my mind, which is just a cluster of everything. (laughs) Um, But it's organized to me and it's my system and nobody else needs to understand it. It totally makes sense to me. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think that's a really important skill. Two is the fact that I think that you have to be infinitely curious and you have to continue to push yourself. 
if you are resting on what you're good at, you're going to fail. Because in a creative field, let's look back at 10 years ago, a lot of social media did not exist. Um, I remember in high school, LiveJournal and MySpace were the thing. Facebook started when I was in college and Instagram started much later than that. Now we have things like TikTok. I couldn't tell you what it does, but everybody is moving ahead and evolving. And so in a creative field, especially when we're trying to communicate something to someone, you have to understand that channel and you have to understand people that are doing it well. And so the only way for you to build your voice is to watch what other people have done, see what is great and terrible out there, and then try and fail. Uh, resilience in a creative field is probably the best weapon you've got because everything is gonna fail at some point. Everything is gonna break, Somebody, your copy's gonna fall flat, an image is gonna suck, the story is not gonna land, everything's gonna go wrong. And so it's how you pick yourself back up and continue to say, no, I've got this vision, I can make this happen, I'll just tweak this, I'll move this. Um, I used to say all the time that creatives are very good because we wanna fail fast. I would much rather fail fast than succeed quickly. I'd rather be along for the journey and figure out all the things that are happening and fail very quickly along the way to have that big mecca moment that then can sustain over time. Um, and then the last I think of like the hard skills is just, it's kind of a soft skill, hard skill, but um, communication. If you can't articulate your vision or why you do what you do, no one's gonna buy it. Nobody cares. Uh, because they buy you before they buy what you do. And so I had a PR guy once tell me that before they ever buy a product of mine, they buy me first. And he said, so you know you've done your job as a PR person when you become friends with a journalist more than they become a journalist. And it stuck with me because they're human too. So I'm not just trying to get something out of them. It's a relationship build. And so if you can't communicate with somebody on that level and be able to communicate why you do what you do and communicate why it matters, there's, it's not going to happen. And so that can happen by just practicing with your friends. Your friends are the best secret weapon of being able to learn how to communicate what you do. Sitting in front of you right now, I'm like, oh man, I am rambling. I need to get this down to like 30 seconds chop. But um, the longer, the better here. So <laughs> um, but in communications, it's usually the shorter, the better. Yeah. And so um, if people can't really feel you and that you've got it. So all of those skills together give you that boost, even from the outside, that you're on it. You're confident. You're on it. You're approachable, you're authentic, you're all these things. Even if you don't believe any of that, mm -hmm. you got to do it until you do. Mm -hmm. And it's really uncomfortable because a lot of creatives are actually not showboaty people. Mm -hmm. And so promoting yourself is very uncomfortable. I'm still incredibly uncomfortable talking about a lot of things. I would love to tell you about everything under the blue moon, but I'll probably start with every failure I've ever had mm -hmm. um, versus the successes I've had. And I think a lot of people are the same way in creative fields because yeah. we also know it's not just us. There's mm -hmm. somebody who before me helped me do something or in my world with my uh, friend who consults with me, she, I'll write a pitch and she'll make it better. She'll write a press release, I'll tweak it. 
we'll be on a call with a client, she'll have this big notion and then I'll add to it and then she'll add to it. So everything gets better because we're with someone. So I think mm-hmm. we innately are not good at taking that moment and being like, no, I am good at this. I can do this. I love this because, and I'm good at it. So I should do. Uh, and I think that's the, the secret sauce is just being able to stand up and say, no, I'm going to bet on myself and I believe in myself and let's go. Like, you want this? Let's go. <laughs> yeah. And you've done very well in doing that. And so I do want to speak about some of your successes yeah. and like what has been some highlights throughout your career? Oh, man. Um, oh, it's weird. As soon as I said that, now I don't want to talk about them. Um, <laughs> Forcing you to. No. No, I think honestly, I think I'm going to knock on wood. Building a consulting business that I've had clients consistently since the beginning. I have never had a light month. I've never, I've had more clients re-up than I ever expected. Um, And I'm just so grateful because I I adore them. They're brands that I love. So from a success value standpoint, that is pivotal to me is that I get to keep working with the people I love and the products I love, which is actually the mantra for my company. Uh, I promised myself when I sat down that I would only ever work for brands that I truly admire and that I even eat. So I'm in food. <laughs> so it's really important. Like if I can't eat or drink it, I can't rep it because I can't rep it authentically. I can't talk about it as a fan. And that's what they need. They need somebody to be rooting for them. And I want to root for them. And so that's the main one. And then the other one that rolled into it is I will work with zero jerks. Um, I refuse to work with teams that are not fun to work with. It sounds so arbitrary, but like, I think a lot of people settle for the environments they're around because of the first part of like, I love this brand and I want it. But your day to day is nine hours hanging out with these people. So that is the biggest success I've had is that I love every team I work with. I want to hang out in their offices. I want to go to drinks with them. Uh, I want to just know everything and support them personally as much as I do professionally. So that is a huge success that you don't see from the outside. But to me, that's the most important. Um, In terms of the sexiest things I've done, um, I ran the media team for the Pillsbury Bake Off back in the day when Oprah had the Pillsbury Doughboy and all the winners on her show. Um, And I ran the regional TV efforts for it. So it was um, 15 different people at our agency were pitching the local grandma to go on local (laughs) television shows and cook. Um, and it doesn't sound like a lot, but there was something about like booking grandmas on TV (laughs) and their hometown and seeing how excited they were that they were on their local news network that that's when it really hit me that this is, could be really, really fun. Mm -hmm. Um, my first client ever was Campbell's Chunky Soup. Uh, I worked with them during the NFL campaigns when they used to have the NFL moms and the year I worked with them, they had pulled the moms from the ads, but they gave me a project to run from start to finish, which was to work with 35 NFL moms to run a Super Bowl, S-O-U-P-E-R, <laughs> uh, challenge where we did food banks. And so the more that they got cans of food and pounds of food to their food bank, these two NFL moms, we would fly to the Super Bowl to help Campbell's give away a million pounds of food. Wow. And it was just so cool because, again, it's personal. It's local. I love local comps. So everything in that aspect was super Mm -hmm. fun and funky. 
Um, the sexier things that people will think. Um, I've run Tribeca Film Fests. Uh, I've done a world. I set a world record with Safeway with our team for the world's largest picnic table underneath the San Francisco Bridge. Oh, cool! Um, where Tyler Florence cooked the whole meal from Food Network. Wow! Um, so that was pretty cool. <laughs> Uh, I supported Morgan Freeman being the voice of Waze, which was kind of fun. <laughs> I mean, that's kind of like Morgan Freeman narrating your life. I mean, that oh, was yeah. awesome. And um, <laughs> I, oh man, a kind, I helped uh, launch the CEO's first book, which became a New York Times bestseller in its first week. And it took so much planning and effort, but I loved that book and I love Daniel, who's still with the company. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it was really fun to take on a nuanced challenge like that. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm trying to think of some other ones. I mean, I've launched ice creams. I've launched, <laughs> I mean, I've, I've worked with over 60 brands in 12 years. And with all of that, you would think, Megan's head was super big and her ego is out of control, but it's not. And so that part too is very impressive to me that you do have all these accolades and skills and success, but you are so down to earth and so humble and so involved in your community as well. And so is that part of your like priority list of like being able to maintain that kind of day-to-day involved in your community lifestyle? I think it's actually the reason why consulting has been the most fun for me. And it was the most important because coming out of Google, again, I went from being somebody in New York uh, before Kind and Google who was accountable. My friend said I always showed up. I was always there. I, If I said I was going to be there, I was going to be there. You could always call. I'd hang out. I'd do all those things. And I did those jobs and I was never around. And it started to crush me because... Here was my job taking off in such a big way, but it was conflicting with what actually mattered to me in my life. And the way that I figured out the balance was to consult and put my personal life first. Um, I think over time, you know, in my world, God just keeps pushing me in different places that I've never anticipated. Even in my career, every time I thought about leaving a company, I would kind of like poo-poo it and then there'd be like a breakdown point and I would just mm. cry. And the next day, I'm not kidding, I would have a message in my LinkedIn box or I'd have an email. And I'm like, is this all it takes? And then I forget it again three months later um, and it would happen again. And so he continually pushes me in the direction that I need to be in. And I think prioritizing community has been something that's so pivotal to me because I think if you're not a complete human, you're never going to be great at what you do. Um, what you do won't even matter because you won't have anybody to celebrate it with. Mm-hmm. Um, you won't have somebody that you can share it with who learns from that story and then they grow in a different way. Or maybe they know somebody who can help you. Um, I have a lot of friends in this community that have been so supportive of what I'm doing and know that it's tricky and that it's hard and they don't let me sugarcoat it. Um, I remember two weeks ago I had a rough one and one of our friends in our community just put her hand on my shoulder and she was like, are you good? And I was like, yeah, I'm fine. I'm good. I'm good. And she put both hands on my shoulder and looked me in the eye and goes, 
honey, you're not okay. <laughs> and I just cried. Mm-hmm. I didn't even know what to do. But if mm-hmm. had I not been in community and had that fellowship with that friend, none of that would have ever come out. And I would have just kept going down this very bad spiral mm-hmm. of losing me. And I think community is such a pivotal piece because God gave us all these gifts. Like this gift of communications is not mine. Um, the way I approach things is not mine. And I think the community has kept me grounded in that. Now I will say in earlier in my career, I was very competitive. Um, but the thing that people didn't realize is I was not competitive against other people. I was competitive against myself. And that comes from music world because you learn almost how to put on a shield of armor to be ready to fight because you're fighting for a role. You're fighting against rejection. You're fighting against pretty much everything. And it served its purpose, but I brought that into my work. Mm -hmm. Um, The other part of that is being incredibly self-aware to the point where it is a blessing and it is one of my biggest strengths, but it's also my biggest downfall is that I will think the worst things possible in order to... I don't know, just shoot myself down. And in music school, they teach you that so that when rejection hits, it's you already knew that that was a problem. So it's less personal and you can keep moving. Mm-hmm. Again, that skill should have stayed <laughs> on the stage, but I didn't learn how to break that pattern. And so I was overly competitive with myself. My bars were never high enough for myself and it ricocheted onto everybody else around me. So I read as a really, really competitive human. And it broke me because inside I'm still that other person. I just didn't know that the way that I was communicating and my ambition was putting me at odds with other people. And so community has been key in that because these are people that know me, know my heart. Um, They hold me accountable. And then it's allowed me to find other women that are aspiring to do awesome things. And if I can teach them anything I've learned in the 12 years of being married to my career and they get something out of it they can use, then it was all worth it. Mm -hmm. And the community just keeps evolving where what my purpose is, is not my job. It's not my career. It's telling the stories of my career to connect back to the people I call home and be able to support them better and for them to know me better and to know me you have to know this side of me and community is is the core of my heart it's the core of the people i if i didn't have the community i wouldn't be me brb you're gonna cry into a glass of water (laughs) is there anything else you want to say before i get to the final two questions that i ask everyone um, it's the worst analogy in a book I've ever read. It's not the book I love. Um, Sheryl Sandberg's book, Lean In. At first blush, it made me want to bomb. It's not my type of book. I, I just want to be a person in the workplace. I don't care about like taking a seat at the table. I've kind of always done that naturally. So that book did not do well in my book. Um, <laughs> But there was a uh, chapter in it that talked about your career not being a ladder. It's more like a jungle gym. And you can go down a slide and climb right back up. You could jump from one bar to a different platform and climb all the way up. So anybody's looking at a career in creative, it's possible. Every job innately is creative. I think 
it makes me laugh when I have friends who are accountants or bankers or all these different very snoshy careers, and they know I call them that. Um, they don't think they're creative. And I would disagree. I think everybody is innately creative. And so you don't have to be stuck where you are. So if you want more creativity in your job, bring it into your job. If you like what you do, but you want to have a little bit more zhuzh to it, go for it. Like make that banking sexy again, you know? Um, and don't be afraid to try new things. There's always a way to side hobby to find out if that creative is something you should do. A lot of people take baby steps in their careers by doing side hustles. And I think as long as you can figure out the balance where you're not putting all your eggs in all the work baskets, then I think you can find more creativity and it'll either push you to be more creative in what you do now, or it might push you in a different career. Uh, but innately saying you're not creative or you don't do the fun job or the sexy job, you're doing a disservice to yourself. Nobody else sees it that way. It doesn't matter either. If you see it as this fun, exciting job, then have fun with it and figure out how to bring that creative back to your role. Um, there's always room. If you're a curious human being, you can always bring something more to what you do and you can find another path if that's what you want. So that's pretty much the, the shtick. Huzzah. Huzzah! <laughs> <laughs> All right. So final two questions. Ready. The first one. How would you define creativity? Ooh. I don't want to give you a cliche answer as a creative person. <laughs> well, there's the tried and true, which people would say is somebody who just thinks out of the box to try something new. My book, it's imagining something that's never been done or some imagining the impossible can be true. I think... You have to imagine something not existing. And then what would you do? I mean, look at all the people who are super creative and invented stuff along the way. Like, did you think Edison gave up or like Benjamin Franklin was like, that sounds like a bad idea and turned around. <laughs> it's never been done. Um, creativity is being brave in the face of uncertainty and a white page that's never been filled in and being okay with whatever outcome you put on that paper. Love it. Second question. Yes. What do you want to pass on to the next generation? Be kind to yourself. I think we are way too hard on ourselves um, to be better, to be more creative, to be at the top of our field, to put everybody first. There's so many things that we put in our own way. Um, and creatives tend to innately be very sensitive people and we feel things I, we feel a lot of things but we're also very good at diffusing with a lot of humor so yeah. a lot of people have no clue when we're like i'm dying inside but i'm laughing on the outside um i think that we need to learn how to be kinder to ourselves not every idea you're gonna have is a diamond not every idea you're gonna have is a lump of coal and knowing that and still moving forward and being like, I love what I do. I know I bring value to this. I know that in my life, other things matter as much as my job. And being creative in just how you love yourself. I think we need to be as creative with taking care of our own souls and our own person as much as we are about putting out creative in the world. Preach, girl. 
emoji hand of prayers. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you so much. Of course. This has been great. This and is hearing awesome. your whole story. It is very inspiring. Oh. It's cool to see that you're wanting to bring that back to your community. And so everything all works together. It's very cool. Thanks, Milady. Thanks for taking the time. Oh my gosh, so fun. So fun. Let's go drink all the water. Okay, bye. Bye. <laughs>